Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Multi-award winning businessman Joel Blake, OBE, is a professional speaker and leadership consultant specializing in business support and enterprise development, as well as being a rebel in a suit. We'll find out more about that shortly. Having gained 20 years experience managing his own business, as well as helping others with theirs, Joel admits he has succeeded, failed, and done just about everything in between, which has taught him his numerous lessons in life and business, which we're obviously going to be curious to find out more about. Joel uses his experience to help business support organizations, create, implement, and innovate their own businesses and enterprise support services on a large scale and helps them to adapt to change. It's a very important word for many of us, especially at the moment. On top of all this, he is vice president of the Commonwealth Chamber of Commerce, and therefore, gosh, I'm kind of humbled in his presence. I'm very grateful to Joel, who actually is running straight off to a board meeting. That's how busy he is. But I'm very grateful to Joel for finding the time to come on as a guest to the Sandro Forte podcast today and share, share his undoubted wealth of experience. So without further ado, welcome, Mr. Joel Blake, OBE. Good morning, Sandro. Thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, looking forward to, to uh, talking with you this morning. Anybody that's got letters after their name needs to be listened <laughs> to. So uh, we'll find out how that happens shortly. But um, with, with great respect, I mean, I knew of you and you mm. were kindly referred to a by a mutual friend who's who's been a guest. Um, but for those people who don't know Joel Blake, the man, OBE, tell us where it all started. Just give us a little bit of background on, on who you are, Joel. Yeah, um, thank you, Sanjo. My story is a very, a very typical one for many young people in our in our country. You know, uh, grew up in a working class background, single parent household, in a disadvantaged area and and in society's eyes, supposedly not going to achieve much. Um, at the age of about 13, I, I kind of started to get the inklings that I was worth a little bit more than what society was saying I was going to be. You know, um, when you're coming from an ethnic minority background from, from disadvantaged areas, you know, even my own careers coach at school was saying you're going to be a carpenter and that's about it. Um, <laughs> but there's a kind of a rebel inside of me, which was always saying, well, really? So age of 15, um, kind of went through what I now look at as depression, but I didn't know it was depression then. Um, and kind of had a bit of an identity crisis because I knew I wanted to do more, but I didn't see how I could get out. But I had this burning desire to want to, to be more and do more, but also to give back. And I didn't really look at it as social impact or anything as we, as we know it now, but I really wanted to give back in some way. But um, one dark December night, I found myself not wanting to be here anymore. Um, and my mum was working two and a half jobs at the time. She worked at the local bingo. So with, I, she kind of locked the door and, you know, don't let anybody else in unless it's me type of thing. Um, and I kind of decided I didn't want to be a burden on her anymore. And I made a decision not to be here. And I was saved by a stranger. Um, and what that made me realise is that you have to 
seek inside to find your own sense of self-worth. You can't find it in anybody else. You can't look at what society says that you should be. You can't look at even what your parents say you should be. You have to find that starting point for your own destiny and your own future inside of you. And the fact that a stranger was willing to do that for me made me realize that I need to start pitying myself and I need to make decisions and take the responsibility for my own success, whatever success meant. Um, and so kind of after that episode, I did, I kind of went back into volunteering with my local, at my local youth club with local young people. So between 15 to 19, it was all about just working with other young people like me. Then I went into the career service at the age of 21. Um, after being a T-boy in offices in financial services and doing a photocopying and filing for recruitment agencies. Um, and that was kind of, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but that sense of calling, because I realized that you can be successful and give back at the same time. And so I was being an employment mentor for young people coming from my background who were, who felt like they had no sense of hope. And I was showing them, well, look, I'm like you. You know, I'd go into sessions in a hooded top and Nike Air Max trainers and we'd talk to them in Streetsland, but from a different perspective because I seen a bit more of the world than they had. Um, and then kind of fast forward four years after I decided to do what I was doing for them, for myself or my own business. So I set up a not-for-profit mentoring consultancy at 25 and basically recruited friends and trained them as mentors. And we went into schools and helped kids at risk of exclusion. That grew into a recruitment agency, grew into a consultancy for universities. Um, and then I guess 2013, I kind of switched into financing because I could see that many young people had entrepreneurial skills and talents, but there wasn't support to help them to start their own business. Um, and the startup loans program came out by the government. So myself and two friends set up a financial lending firm, won a 10 million pound five-year contract for the government. And literally it was that typical in a pub, let's do this. Four weeks later, we had this contract. It was ridiculous. Um, scaled that business and then I exited that three years ago, set up a fintech firm um, and here we are. So for me, my journey has been one of never losing sight of what's really important, but not being afraid to go into new territories. Um, typically as a six foot tall black guy talking about diversity in the finance space and challenging the establishment about inclusivity and all of that type of piece as well. You know, that rebel in a suit bit is because I'm not afraid to have those hard conversations. So for me, I'm just a normal guy who's just driven as hell. Um, and I'm very, very passionate about why I do things. Um, I want to just keep doing more. I love it. I, I, I have to say already, you've said so many things that resonate, uh, not just with me, Joel, but with everyone listening. Uh, what we, we often get by way of feedback is, uh, I, I find it hard to identify with the guests because they've just been uber successful kind of the, the whole of their life. Everything they've ever done just seems to turn to gold and that, that's not going to happen to me. You know, the person we're talking to today, Joel Blake OBE, has kind of seen both ends of the spectrum, right? You know, to be in a situation, not just you talk about disadvantaged background, and I'm interested to get your take on whether... Uh, let's call it weakness, whether whether that disadvantaged background, whether that mental weakness, that position you found yourself in all those years ago has led to that great inner strength you now have. You know, do you do you have 100%. to hit rock bottom or, or do you do you embrace the things that have happened to you, the negative things? Let's call them that. Do you embrace those? Because have they shaped who you are? I think is the question. One hundred percent. You see. 
Society has a, a description of what disadvantage may mean, you know, inner city, working class backgrounds, you know, lack of social mobility for the people who live in those areas, um, lack of, um, um, of employment options, um, high crime, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're in that community, you don't feel disadvantaged because there's a sense of community. Everyone's going through the same dramas but there's unwritten codes about how you connect with each other. You know, back in those days, you could leave your front door open and you'd have people coming in, cups of tea. There's, you know, it's more worse now than it was then, even though we were in that environment. So when you're an outsider looking in, you have a perspective. But so when you grow up in that environment, you you resilience becomes an, an, an innate trait. You know, the ability to face challenges up front and head on has been a key part of my whole life experience because of that growing up. Mm. And it's not so much about sub story, let's get the Kleenex tissues out and start you know, talking about there, there. I don't want anyone to pity anyone who comes from that background. I think it's more about understanding that there are lessons that you learn when you come from a place of disadvantage. And if you embrace those lessons, they teach you things, even things you don't want to be taught, but the lessons that you need to know. And so that sense of resilience and drive, it allows me to see the world of business in a completely different context. Like for me, I'm not saying business is simple, but when it comes to real life versus business, I know what's really harder. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, mm. and so it allows me to have a different view on what I see as challenge and see as difficulty and see as obstacles because I've got that built resilience to say, right, more challenge I get is the more I'm going to smash it is the more I'm going to learn is the more I can do more mm. and so I don't run away from that and that's that kind of rebel in a suit bit where there's convention and where there's normality I'm like okay so how do I change this how do I disrupt this from within how do I find a way of making this better but in a positive way that adds value yeah. to all I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I wanted to ask you about the rebel in the suit obviously because that's your kind of the strap line that follows you around uh, and before we just go back well before we go on to that um Another thing that I picked up on that I'd just really like to focus on uh, since, you know, you've laid the foundations for this discussion um, is this, the, the stereotype. You describe yourself as a yeah. six foot black guy, uh, comes from a you know a minority. Um, and and uh, there's much has been talked about recently about um, equality and stuff. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down that road on this, on this podcast today, Joel, but what yeah. I'm more interested in is, that stereotype, and also I think you use the words, what society, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but what society yeah. says you're going to be. So, you yeah. know, when you're eight years old and you look up at mummy or daddy and say, I want to be an astronaut, and they pat you condescendingly on the head and say, never mind, you want to set your, set your bar a little bit lower, right? What I'm hearing yeah. from you, which is what I've heard from people like Steve Jobs and Richard Branson, is you've, you've lived and you are not afraid to live in a state of discomfort. Yeah. So uncomfortable with uncomfortability. Mm, so I, I want to explore this because a lot of people find change and stepping outside their comfort zone really difficult. And that links then to your rebel in a suit analogy yeah. with regard to challenging convention, not necessarily conforming all the time. But non-conformity doesn't mean non-compliance, right? A lot, a lot, so just explain to uh, yeah. to us, if you would, uh you know, your view of that, the rebel in the suit um, approach yeah, yeah. to life. You've, you've, you've got, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of non-conformity does not mean non-compliance. Yeah. 
It just means that you see different angles. You look at the same thing in a different way. You, you, you search for the unknown rather than the known. So for me, that rebel in the suit bit is, it's not a, Kind of a cheesy cliche, and I might come across like that to some. For me, it's a philosophy in that where you see normality, it doesn't mean it has to be like that. Where there are, where there is a need to do more or to be more, it's about seeking the unknown. It's about going into those grey areas. It's about going into those gaps and understanding that you already have enough experience and a foundation to bring into that unknown to find the answers. Because when it's all said and done, people want very, very simple things. They want to feel comfortable. They want to feel safe. They want to feel they've got a sense of purpose. They want to feel that they can grow. They want to know they're going to take care of their love. People are really, really simple things. You know, people are really simple in the sense of what they want out of life. But in terms of business, ultimately, it's about profitability and social impact if, if a business is that way inclined as well. So for me, if you understand the root cause or the root need of something or someone, then, and there's an agreement, that's what's necessary, that's what need. That's what's needed, then there should be no reason why you're not willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And sometimes that means doing the things that take you outside of your comfort zone. So that rebel in a suit for me is the fact that just because it's the norm doesn't mean it has to be normal. It, you know, there is a way of doing things, but you have to step outside of that comfort zone if you're truly passionate and truly committed to that end goal that you say that you want mm. and there can be no excuses. You, you, if that's what really what you want, then why are you choosing to do anything different? And that's where you talk about fear and insecurity and vulnerability and all the human emotions. And, and then you might blame the government and you might blame the fact that the economy is X, Y, and I get all of that. But what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm particularly interested in this word normal because I'm not sure. I, I've never looked it up in the dictionary, so I don't know what the definition of it is. But it strikes me that normal is only what most of us, without questioning it, have just been doing for such a long time. It's almost like yeah. a culture, right? I, I mean, I travel to different parts of the world and I hear time and time and time again, Joel, people say, but that's not the way we do it here. But, well, yeah. why not? It's only because it's it's the way you've always done it without yeah. questioning it's, it's, it. It's the accepted way of doing things. Exactly. But why, but why are you accepting that's the way that it should be done? Yeah. What's underpinning that? And is that still correct in the environment that you're in today? Mm. You know, and, and, you know, I'm sure you see in your, in your, your business, but certainly my own, particularly in financial services as well, you know, there's this traditional way of doing things because of the nature of the sector. But, that tradition is that traditional way of doing things is not always applicable in the world that we're in. Yeah. You know, the world is disruptive. It's highly innovative. It's data driven, technology driven. So there's a lot of things that are changing that, that need people to feel more comfortable about being uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and, that, and that's kind of why that rebel in the suit bit is, is so important to me. I love it. Now, you are, uh, Joel, somebody that has given a lot back to society. Uh, I, I was going to ask you how you, how you got your OBE um, and, and how much it cost me to buy it off you. But no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> how, how did you get your OBE? Um, so it was for, it's for services to business support and enterprise. So it was going back to when I started my, my, my first business. Um, some of that work included going into prisons and working with um, offenders who were about to be released within six months. 
And so I used to go and deliver workshops in prisons to help them think about their entrepreneurial skills that they've used in a negative way, but how it could actually be used in a positive way and help them to contribute back to society. So real grassroots right through to advising at the time, David Cameron's business policy team around innovation and SME support. So a real breadth of kind of government right through to the deepest, darkest parts of society. So, you know, all of that has been consistent for me in terms of support because business for me is about a vehicle for change. Mm. Yes, we all want to be in business and we all want to make our businesses commercially successful 100%. But at the same time, we can also do more with that vehicle of that business. And so for me, I've always seen business support and enterprise as a way of saying, well, how can I help you to do more? And it's been as simple as that. That's always been my my driver. Mm. How can I help you to do more? What? Who can I connect you to? What can I say? What can I help shape? Who can I challenge? What can I do to help you to do more? Because doing more might mean more profitability, but mm. doing more might also mean more social impact. Doing more might mean more health and wellbeing support for your employees. Whatever doing more means, that's what I've I've committed to and and I dedicate myself to. This was a, it was a slightly leading question because we do do an awful lot of research on our guests. So I kind of knew what the answer was. Uh, but the reason I asked you the question is really to create a nice platform of understanding for those listening, because demographically, Joel, we have a lot of young people that listen to this podcast and a lot of them will email in and say, I've got a great idea. Um, I've had this idea for ages. I just don't seem to be able to get off the ground. I don't know what steps to take next. And I just listened to a guest and he did it all in, you know, on the back of a fag packet in a pub with his mates. Um, mm. And how has it happened for him? And it hasn't happened for me. And I, I know you use the word doing action, whatever the word was you used earlier on. Um, so uh, the, the, the reason I want to just come on nicely to this question, which has been in my mind ever since uh, we were first introduced because I just think there's no one better qualified to answer the question. If I'm a young person or middle-aged or older person looking to start my own business, I've got a good idea, but I'm just really finding it difficult to take the first step, not even steps, the first step. What advice do you give to anyone who might come to you and say, Joe, I've got a a good idea, but help me. I've I've never run a business before. I I just don't know what to do. What, What advice would you give people looking to take that first step? The first step has always been for me is validate the need. So what I mean by that is you could have the greatest idea in the world. You might think it's fantastic. Your family and friends might give you the greatest kind of empowerment and say, yeah, great idea. But ultimately, are the people who you're trying to sell your product to service to, have they told you that this is something that will satisfy their need? And how have you validated that they've said that to you? How have you validated that that is a need that is actually servable in that sense? Um, So before you even start talking about getting the company registered, getting your website, getting all your branding done and all of that stuff, have you actually gone and talked to the potential people who you want to sell your product and service to? And have they given you clear evidence that this is a need that they've validated? And if you was to provide this solution, um, they'd be up to paying you for it. If you haven't got your customer, you've just got a very expensive hobby and no one's got time for that. So starting the business, is, for me, as I say, is that vehicle, but you have to satisfy a need and that need has to be validated by the people that you want to work with. Everything else is then, you know, the formality of setting up the business, mm. the infrastructure around it. But if you haven't got a customer who's told you that they've got a need and you haven't got a problem to solve, 
then you haven't got a business. And it's too expensive of a journey to start without having that very clear and very um, concrete in your mind. That is a really good piece of advice. And I say that because I don't think I've ever heard a guest, uh, not that I asked the same question to all the guests, but the first time I've ever heard that answer given. And you're absolutely right, because if you look at all the successful businesses around the world, they, they solve a need generally. Um, yeah. So the validation of that need, obviously, very important first step. So that is a great piece of advice. Thank you. Um, you've worked with lots of uh, of aspiring and established entrepreneurs, Joel. What's the what's the main limitation or, or embedded habit that that you see entrepreneurs making? You know that that the the common mistakes that again, just following on from the last question, you would yeah. try to encourage people to avoid. It's a really good question because every entrepreneurial journey. I would say would be different depending on their business and sector, et cetera. But I guess if there is a common trait I've seen, it's, it's, it's self-belief. I think as an entrepreneur, you, you start the business, so you validated the need, you're in the game, you do what you're doing. You face so many challenges, so many unexpected challenges that it can challenge your own sense of um, your own view of yourself and your own level of self-belief. And it's easy to doubt yourself because you're in a new place or you're facing a new obstacle and it's challenging you in a completely different way. It's forcing you to see yourself in a completely different way. It's exposing you. It's, it's, it's what I call the kind of the naked truth of, of, of entrepreneurship. When you're in that situation, it's like, wow, I've never seen this before, never experienced before, don't know what to do. And that self-belief bit can make or break the success of your business. So for me, that's the common thing I've seen, but I think the counter to that is to make sure you're getting support by asking people. I think the beauty of this day and age is that you can more or less get in contact with most people, um, or at least people connected to the person you want to speak to, to get the advice and guidance that you need with most problems and most challenges. But I think often um, our self-belief gets hammered so much that we don't have the confidence to go and ask for that help. Um, so actually, to be fair, actually, Sandro, Self-belief, but I think alongside of that is ego because sometimes our ego can stop us asking those questions because we think, I'll find the answer, it's my business, I can do it. I'm like, no, the more humble you are as an entrepreneur is the more you're going to learn is the more you're going to succeed. So I'd say self-belief and ego, I'd say is two mistakes. But if you use both of those things in the right way, they could also become your two levers as well um, because the more self-belief you have, but you keep your ego in check mm. is the more you'll be able to drive forward and break for those barriers and you break for those obstacles. But it's a bit of a bit of a kind of paradox if you look at it, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I agree with you. Uh, not that people listening to this podcast to listen to my ramblings. They're, they're here today to listen to you, Joel. But uh, again, you know, I've been in the business 31 years, probably for mm. 15 to 20 of those years. I would say my ego got in the way and I'm not saying that in a negative way, but when you're young and enthusiastic, you don't really, you don't really look at the big picture. You don't look at the people you can, you can help. Uh, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but I, I operate this circle. It's called a circle of five where you've always got two people near you that you aspire to be like, and then you've also got two people that you can drag on that journey that want to be like you. And as long as you stay in that, in the middle of that circle, um, you're always going to aspire to greater, uh, levels of achievement whilst also remaining grounded and humble. So yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's been a big 
change for me personally. So I agree with that hundred um, percent. Earlier on, you know, you talked um, sadly of that moment when you were a young man, where it, you just wanted it all to end, and, and you were saved by a stranger, to use your words. And, I'm, and again, I'm not going to delve too deeply into that. The more general question, though, is that lots of people, particularly successful people, actually, Joel, and you know this from all of your own personal experience and the work you've done with others, sometimes they get very close to the edge. And I don't mean suicide, but I mean bankruptcy. I mean losing their yeah. business. I mean relationship breakup, financial issues, uh, you know, and all the things that have come from what's happened uh, in the last number of months. How do you reconnect with yourself? How do you talk about self-belief? How do you when, you, when you have those moments of despair, when you just think, I say, it's all going to end uh, in business or mm. uh, I don't know this works anymore or whatever, whatever the challenges are that we face, how do you reconnect with that inner self-belief that you have? How do you dust yourself down and, and kind of move forward in those, in those fairly bleak moments? It's a really, really, really interesting question, Sandro. Um, Allow me to answer it from two perspectives, both personally and professionally. Um, I think from a personal point of view, the reconnection comes from accepting the fact that you never, you haven't actually failed. You've just learned how not to do something. And so when I find myself in situations where personally I've just kind of thought, oh, what's the point? Not, not from that kind of you know, past place, but more about, well, what's the point in trying that? What's the point in trying to go after that, you know, that client or that opportunity or whatever? Um, it's because I've recognized that the only reason why I'm saying that is because I don't know how to do it in the most effective way or the way I've tried hasn't really worked and I haven't looked at the lessons. I haven't understood what, what made that not work. And so when you accept failure, you immediately close yourself off to the lessons that failure has taught you. But if you look at failure as a lesson learned, you never, you never ever actually fail at all. You just learn how not to do something and you mm. wouldn't have learned that lesson if you didn't go for that situation. So personally, it's accepting failure as a lesson, not as failure. I think professionally, it's about understanding the purpose and the purpose should always be about adding value. If you're not adding value to what someone can do themselves or they could get elsewhere, if you're not doing an extra 10%, 20%, whatever on top, if you're not adding that bit of X factor, then you're not really adding any value. You're just replicating or you're copying or you're just doing what they could get elsewhere. So you're not, you're actually doing yourself a disservice by not adding value because what you're doing is putting yourself on par with everybody else or you're putting yourself in a situation where there's more options than you. So by adding value, you're actually respecting yourself and your business more. You're respecting your own hard work. You're respecting the blood, sweat and tears that people don't see behind the scenes. You're respecting your experience. You're respecting your expertise. But it's about understanding that in order to respect that in the right way, you have to add value because that's what makes you different. And that's what puts all those things in context. So being at the edges, as I say, Accepting failure as a lesson, not failure, and making sure that you are reconnecting back with adding value um, and making sure that you can understand what is it that you do different to everybody else. Why, um, thank you for that, Joel. Why, why is Joel Blake OBE not totally focused, single-minded, tunnel-visioned, bulldoze everyone out of the way? Why do you give so much back? Because... 
most people would say, well, Joel, I, I mean, if, if you spent all the time focusing on you and not everyone else, you'd be so much more successful. What, what would you say to people who say, what's the point in giving to other people and, and not just focus on myself? Because if I wanted to be that force and bulldozer, I could do that. But I'm not wired to do that. My life is worth more than just being that bulldozer. And for me, successful successful is a broad term. You know, because of where I'm coming from and because of my own values and because of who I am as a person, I have so much self-belief, it's ridiculous. That doesn't mean I'm going to be egotistical about it and think I know everything. It doesn't mean I'm going to be able to go into any environment and win. I'm also self-aware enough to know that I don't know everything. There's people that have been there, done that, and those are the people I need to learn from, I want to be around. But there's also people that are looking at me as if I've already made it based on their circumstance. So giving back for me is important because I'm just one dot on this earth and I only know as much as I know. But what I do know adds value to someone, to something, to some sector, etc. And I'm and I am and I'm aware of that, but I'm also aware that I've also forging a path for others to walk through at some point. Even when I'm no longer here, I would like to say I've left the legacy and been able to left something for other people to find their own route in life. But if I can have helped them in some way, then great, my life meant mm. something. Mm. So it's about that self-awareness coupled with a level of self-belief. Yeah, if I wanted to be that kind of, well, I have been like that in my own past. You know, you talked about when you were younger and less mature and yeah, I've done that. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't been like that. But at the same time, with maturity, you understand how you can still be like that if you wanted to, but how much more you could actually do as well. And it's not about, you know, sitting around a campfire and kind of being hippie-like about it, but it is about saying that if you can do more, do more, because why wouldn't you? Mm. There's only so many cars you can have and holidays you can have and, you know, you, you've only got two arms, two legs. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> how many things can you do at once? But at the same time, if you've got the power to give back, why not? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great answer. And, and I've got one eye on the time and I'm thinking, where did the 30 minutes go? I mean, life, life <laughs> for this podcast started out as we'll, we'll keep it to 30 minutes because attention span of the listener. And, and now I'm thinking, oh, I wish we, have, I wish we could have an hour with you today. But uh, maybe, maybe we'll have another conversation and we'll do a part two. I've got You're two final questions. Much. Thank you. I've got two final questions I need to ask you, Joel, before you run off to your board meeting. Uh, the first, a very important question is, for those people listening to you, as, as I have, absolutely fascinated today, go, right, I need to know more about this guy. I need to check him out. How, how best do we do that? Where do we find you? Is there a website? Is there social media? How do we, how do we connect with Joel Blake OBE? Yeah, sure. So my, my website is joelblakeobe.com. Um, on Twitter, on Mr. Joel Blake. And on LinkedIn, Joel Blake OBE. Um, I'm pretty active online, so anyone can really, you know, Get in touch. You'll you'll speak to me directly. Um, I'm not shy. <laughs> so don't be shy. Um, kind of kind of got the sense of that one today. Yeah, but, but but where I you know obviously with time I always try and respond to people. But yeah, people people can contact me directly. No That's problems. really kind of you. Thank you. And then the final question, which I I can't wait for this answer. Um, because you've shared so much in such a short space of time. But the question we ask all our guests, Joel, 
and it is common to them all, is if I were to paint this this idea that you've got your son jumping up on your knee right now, and, and you know, there's no discrimination as to male or female, son or daughter, yeah. it doesn't matter. But they jump up on your knee and they say, Daddy, you know, I've, I've looked to you as my role model for all these years, and, and now I'm starting my own journey in life without having to make the same mistakes that you've made along the way, but also trying to, um, to benefit from all the things that you've learned. What one single piece of advice could you give me as a, as a mantra, as a way of living my life? If you could drill it all down to one sentence or one paragraph, what advice would you give to that son or daughter? Never forget where you come from because that's made you who you are. But never ever forget where you're going because that's who you're going to be. Oh, I love it. I think that might be the most succinct answer we've ever had on this podcast in two years. Um, I love that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make note of that. And needless to say, we'll be connecting on social media as well. Um, I, I say this with a great smile on my face. It's been a real joy speaking to you today, Joel. I know from, from several people, you are a thoroughly decent human being um, and, and quite rightly recognised for all you've done. Best wishes for all you continue to do. I hope this is the start of, a, of an association between us because I know you're a terrific chap. Um, and uh, thank you for giving so much to so many people today. May you continue to do that for many more years to come. And uh, maybe, as I said, we get you back for part two if your schedule allows at some point. I would love to come back part two. I, I, I know it's just, a, it's sorry there's just a clash of diaries today. Otherwise I'd be here for two hours with you. But, That's fine. But look, Absolutely. I absolutely would love to kind of um, continue our conversation and, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to speak with you today and, and to your listeners. And uh, hopefully just my life experiences add some value to their lives as well.